Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, please make us instruments by which this your will will be done on this earth. We long to glorify your name and we long to honor you because you have been good to us. You have protected us. You have given us the privilege of life. You've granted us the gift of the Holy Spirit and forgiveness of sins. You have sent forth your holy angels to protect and guide us. And you have preserved and reserved for us life eternal in pleasure forevermore. Dear Lord, we worship you and we say, please bless us with your words this morning that we may be equipped to glorify your name. Grant to each and every one of us who are listening the gift of your spirit. For me, Lord, I have nothing to say that will bless anyone. My words have no power, but your words have power. Therefore, Lord, I pray, put your words in my mouth that as it is spoken, it may be spirit and life to all who would listen, that we may receive power to become sons and daughters of God. Do this, O Lord, please, and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, March 20 By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seen him who is invisible. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 27 Moses had a deep sense of the personal presence of God. He was not only looking down through the ages for Christ to be made manifest in the flesh, but he saw Christ in a special manner accompanying the children of Israel in all their travels. God was real to him, ever present in his thoughts. When misunderstood, when called upon to face danger and to bear insult for Christ's sake, he endured without retaliation. Moses believed in God as one whom he needed and who would help him because of his need. God was to him a present help. Much of the faith which we see is merely nominal. The real trusting, persevering faith is rare. Moses realized in his own experience the promise that God will be a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. He had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Here is another point in regard to faith which we wish to study. God will reward the man of faith and obedience. If this faith is brought into the life experience, it will enable everyone who fears and loves God to endure trials. Moses was full of confidence in God because he had appropriating faith. He needed help and he prayed for it, grasped it by faith and wove it into his experience, the belief that God cared for him. He believed that God ruled his life in particular. He saw and acknowledged God in every detail of his life and felt that he was under the eye of the all-seeing one who weighs motives, who tries the heart. He looked to God and trusted in Him for strength to carry Him uncorrupted through every form of temptation. The presence of God was sufficient to carry Him through the most trying situations in which a man could be placed. Moses did not merely think of God. He saw Him 
God was the constant vision before him. He never lost sight of his face. He saw Jesus as his Savior, and he believed that the Savior's merits would be imputed to him. This faith was to Moses no guesswork. It was a reality. This is the kind of faith we need. Faith that will endure the test. Oh, how often we yield to temptation because we do not keep our eye upon Jesus. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Seeing the Invisible. Who is this invisible? The invisible being referred to here is none other than Christ, our Lord and Savior, and also the Father. They represent the invisible, the Godhead. And our key text for our devotion is taken from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, reading from verse 27, which says, By faith he forsook Egypt, and not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So Moses saw him, that is God. How did God, Moses see God? Moses had faith in God. The invisible things of God, Moses had learned to see. As we look at the experiences that Moses would later have, you have to ask yourself the question, why is it that Moses was different from every other person? It was Moses who, after seeing the invisible in the burning bush, went to Egypt with Aaron and that ten plagues was done through him and the Bible records that nobody has ever done as much signs and wonders as that which was done by God through Moses. Deuteronomy reading chapter 34 verse 10 says, And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, in all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh, and to all his servants, and to all his lands. And in all that mighty hand, and in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. Wow, what a testimony! There arose not a prophet like unto Moses, not just in the signs and wonders before, before Pharaoh in Egypt, but in all the sight of Israel. So what were some of these things? Firstly, we look at the ten plagues, mighty signs and wonders which no one has ever done again. And then, when we look at them leaving Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, yeah, there was the parting of Jordan which was also done by God through jo uh, Joshua later on. And then when they entered into Egypt, much uh, when they left the they left Egypt, passing through the Red Sea, and were on their journey to Canaan in the wilderness, there was still much that was done through Moses. There was the serpent that came and beat those and stung those who were not obedient to God. There was the rod that he made, a cross which it represented, a snake on that cross that people were to look at, and when they look at it, they would leave. Then there was the raising of his hands when they were fighting and if he drops his hand, people, the Israelites will be discomfited and when he raises his hand, the people of Israel will prevail. And there was the rock that water came out from. There was also the time when he prayed and manna came down from heaven. 
There was a time he prayed, and then there were the quails, and God struck the children of Israel. There was a one when he prayed, and the ground was open, and took all of the people who rebelled against him. Princes who rebelled and said they wanted to take the position from Moses and they wanted to lead Israel. And there was a time in, I think, Numbers, was it 15 or 12, where Aaron and Miriam had envy, deep envy and jealousy in them and came to attack Moses. And the Bible recorded that this man Moses was one of the meekest men on earth. It was on this attack from his siblings that made the Bible to record that account that Moses was one of the meekest men on earth. That's in Numbers 12 to be precise. And in this situation, what happened? The Lord intervened and the Lord said something in that situation which I want to read now. Reading from uh, Numbers chapter 12, reading from verse 3. After Miriam and uh, Aaron had attacked him, the Bible said in verse 3, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord speaks suddenly unto Moses, unto Aaron, and unto Miriam. Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him I will speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches, and the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. Wow, I'll stop there. I've listed a few things, just a few things of the signs and the wonders and the great deliverance that God used Moses to rot in Israel and in Egypt and I would say in the world. Today we are still reading these books which is the foundation of our faith. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. The writing of these books was still that man, Moses. Truly, like the Bible says, after the Lord Jesus there had not risen any other greater than Moses. Indeed, the Lord was with him. But why was it so? Like we read in our key text in Hebrews 11 verse 27, it says, By faith, back to that word, faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses saw him who is invisible. And I asked a question before, why is it that Moses was able to exercise such faith that others were not able to exercise? Was it because he had an advantage over them? Do you think it's because he was beholding the similitude of God as in like, you know, Moses was different like we just read. God said to them, Moses is not like you. He will behold a similitude. That means Moses, when he was conversing with God, he was not just conversing with the air. Moses had something he was even seeing that was the form of God and he was conversing. 
with God face to face. None other has had that privilege. Only Moses had that privilege of having the communion with the glory of God face to face. God didn't appear to him as a man like he did with uh, Abraham. This is a different thing. Moses beheld the glory of the Lord. None like this. But why? It was not because he saw saw the similitude that he had so much faith in God. Let me remind every one of us. In the very presence of God, beholding his highest, highest glory, Lucifer sinned against God. So our protection and faith in God is not by seeing him face to face. It's not when you see God face to face and then you have faith in him. Lucifer in all his perfection with every advantage needed by any being the Lord can ever create. Moral advantage, he had it. The greatest spiritual advantage, he had it. The highest proximity any being can ever have to God. Only Lucifer had it standing in the very presence of God, walking on the stones of fire, walked in Eden, the garden of God, yet in the sight of all of this, in the presence of all of this, with all his intelligence and wisdom which Moses did not have with all his glory which Moses did not have with all the things he could see of God which Moses did not see Moses only saw a cloud Lucifer beheld the highest form of God's glory that can ever be revealed to any being yet Lucifer sinned and did not have faith in God but Moses had faith so my point is it is not because he was seeing that similitude that he had that faith Moses saw him who was invisible which was he exercised faith to a very great extent and what is it to, what does it mean to exercise faith here we read that Moses forsook Egypt by faith what does it mean that he forsook Egypt by faith that means his mind was not at all shaken in the matter of leaving Egypt he knew it was God that was leading and he was not afraid even one bit because he was depending on God's word God's word has said go and God's servant must go. Regardless of what he's seen around him, the armies of Egypt, Pharaoh's power and all of that, Moses was not shaken. Remember when they came to the, to the Red Sea and when they reached that Red Sea, Moses knew very well it was God who had led them there. And going before them was the Red Sea, behind them was the children of Egypt coming after the children of Israel. And there was a great trouble. And there the people started with their complaining and murmuring. Why were they complaining and murmuring? Were they not there? When did they not witness the ten plagues? Did they not witness the slaying of the firstborns of the children of Egypt? Those who didn't have the blood of the lamb on their doorposts? Did they not witness the hailstones? Did they not witness the bloody waters? Did they not witness the frog and the locust and the lice? They witnessed all those things. Why did their faith fail at this time? They were in the same situation as Moses. Moses was not in any better situation than themselves. Were they not supposed to exercise faith in the God who asked them to leave? They were, but they couldn't. Why? They did not exercise faith because they were not seeing him who is invisible. Perhaps I could say they had an opportunity to go through the same education that Moses had gone through for the past 40 years. But they did not learn it is not god's fault but it is our fault not to exercise faith in god how much do you believe the word of god that it will be fulfilled moses saw him who was invisible when he went through these trials it didn't shake him 
in the first paragraph of our devotion, page 85, paragraph 2 of Conflict and Courage. It says, Moses had a deep sense of the personal presence of God. He was not only looking down through the ages for Christ to be made manifest in the flesh, but he saw Christ in a special manner, accompanying the children of Israel in all their travels. God was real to him, ever present in his thoughts. When misunderstood, it's a lesson for us. We will get misunderstandings too. Look at how Moses dealt with it. When misunderstood, when called upon to face danger and to bear insult for Christ's sake, he endured without retaliation. Moses believed in God as one whom he needed and who would help him because of his need. God was to him a present help. End of quote. This is faith. And that's why the next statement we read is talking about faith. It says, much of the faith which we see is merely nominal. Moses' faith was not nominal. The faith of the children of Israel was that nominal one and most of us, our faith is nominal. The real trusting, persevering faith is rare. Moses realized in his own experience the promise that God will be a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. He had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Here is another point in regard to faith which we wish to study. God will reward the man of faith and obedience. I'll stop there. Hebrews 11 verse 6 For without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh unto God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That statement there, some don't understand it. Let me rephrase it. For he that cometh to God must believe that God exists and also that he is a rewarder of those who keep his commandments to the letter who follow all his requirements, not leaving one undone. That is what it is. Faith has to do with obedience to every word of God in the belief that while I am obeying, I will get the reward of obedience and he who I am obeying exists and he will give me every reward based on how I work. Did you remember the children of Jacob? Did you notice that they were rewarded according to their works? All of them. Reuben lost the birthright because of his works. Same with Simeon and Levi. They lost it because of their works. And later on, by his works, Levi was able to get the priesthood. And also, by the same works, Joseph got a double birthright. And also, by works, Judah also got the birthright, the spiritual birthright. The Bible tells us clearly in the book of James chapter 2, reading from verse 14. Do you not understand that faith without works is dead? Your works is what shows your faith. Judas' works was what revealed his faith. Moses' works revealed his faith. He that cometh to God must believe that he is existing and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Moses received divine strength from God to do the will of God and he also believed that in doing it, that the Lord will bless him. As I talk about works now, someone will wonder, are you saying salvation by works? The Bible clearly tells us that God is going to judge us by our works. Nowhere are we told you are going to be judged by your faith. You know why? Because it is your works that shows your faith. Your faith is in your mind. We don't know what it is. Nobody can see it. You can tell me. I can tell you. I have faith in God. I believe this and I believe that. How does anybody know? How does anybody know that I really believe what I say I believe? It is by my works. My works show my faith. Moses was a man who saw God. He saw him not in 
form like seeing Jesus Christ and we also can have that experience of seeing the invisible like Moses did but for Moses to have had this experience of seeing the invisible and for us to also have the experience of seeing the invisible you cannot neglect the fact that he had a training a training that helped him to come to this point of seeing the invisible what are the consequences of not seeing the invisible you know the education we pass through matters a lot we have the wrong education and we will not see the invisible but with the right education you will certainly see the invisible for Moses God had to take him 40 years in the world in the land of the Midianites as a shepherd and he went through an education which made him to see the invisible but today there's a system of education that is done where God is not in it they are not seeing the invisible Romans chapter 1 reading verse 19 says because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God had showed it unto them for the invisible things of God from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things which are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse so has God revealed to us the invisible yes just as he did to Moses but the problem is that many are closing their eyes they don't want to see the invisible the Bible declares in Romans 1 verse 20 the invisible things of God they are not that they are vaguely seen it's not hard to see this is they are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead verse 21 now says because that when they knew God they knew God they saw things they saw it in nature the things he created and today in the worldly education they are still seeing it but like the Bible says here they glorified him not as God neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened professing themselves to be wise they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever amen for this cause what cause because when they knew God they glorified him not as God when God clearly showed to them through the study of their physics and biology and chemistry and all the things in nature, botany, zoology, God showed them the things concerning him. And instead of saying, I see God here, they will say, oh, this is evolution. You know, the, over the years, the zebra was able to adapt to the uh, climate of this and that. And they try to give explanations to explain God out of the picture. Oh, really? God is showing you clearly in the cosmos. The, 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 the universe is expanding. He's showing them clearly that the earth is strategically placed in a position where if you move it an inch closer to the sun or an inch away from the sun, that life as we know it will not exist. Or either all the water will vaporize, which is the basis of life on earth, or all the water will get frozen. Even the revolution of the earth, a, just take it a bit closer to the sun or a bit away from the sun everything will just destabilize in the whole universe in the whole universe not just in this solar system everything is connected we learn in physics that there is a magnetic attraction between every planetary body 
and they are strategically placed in su- such that they are having a pool, gravitational pull on each other. Now, when we look at this, do we not see the hand of a creator? But what do they say? Instead of saying that this is intelligent design and there's an intelligent designer who is God, what do they say? They have seen the evidence clearly. But what do they do? They explain him away with irrelevant and I would say un- unwise, unwise explanations that actually has no basis and sense. It is actually more common sense to see things existing and say somebody made it than to see things existing and say it just came out of nowhere. So God has no pity in this matter because he knows that man has sense enough to be able to trace and know that everything that is created has a creator but when it comes to things that they see in nature they want to say there's no creator therefore god says oh if that's how they want to see it he says here in romans 1 verse 26 for this cause god gave them up unto vile affections for even their women they change the natural use into that which is against nature and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat and even as they did not like to retain god in their knowledge god gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers. Just think of politics and what goes on in all the world politics and even local politics. That's what's going on here. Verse 30, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. Think of all the gain of function research where they are inventing diseases by themselves. That's because they put God out of the picture. God has given over the world to their own vile affections. Inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Why is this so? Because when God showed them himself through the invisible things of him, which are seen in nature, they did not acknowledge him. And that's why this is happening. The false educational system is a problem to this world. It is it that is training the, the world to be what it is. And when we look at what we just looked at here now, talking about men walking in themselves, those things which are unseemly, it baffles me to think that someone will call themselves a professor, a doctor, or somebody say I'm a master in this, yet they do not have the sense enough to understand that male is male and female is female even in their own science i'm not talking of with the bible now so-called science now is even being neglected for foolishness that's how our world's wisdom has become it has become so corrupted so debased that the wise men of the world the professors the leaders the so-called leaders politicians look at them what do they stand for now they talk of gender fluidity and why is this happening we read it right here because the invisible things of God from the creation of the world which was clearly seen by them so understood by the things that are made his eternal power and Godhead and they are without excuse because they neglected it God gave them over to these vile affections the the, the world education is really what the problem is but Moses had a different education you see the study of nature is a very important thing and it was a study for man from the beginning but when we we learn the things of nature apart from god we have learned nothing but foolishness and will therefore misinterpret all we see and make false conclusions 
What is it that accounts for the world's troubles today? It is this one thing, studying nature while neglecting nature's God. This is the manner in which the world's education is patterned and we need to unlearn these things if we must do service for God. It's a good way it is put by a man called Richard Baxter in the book The Reformed Pastor, reading from page uh, 39 down to 41, you see something like this. He said, Nothing can be rightly known if God be not known, nor is any study well managed, nor to any great purpose, if God is not studied. We know little of the creature till we know it as it stands related to the Creator. Single letters and syllables uncomposed are no better than nonsense. He who overlooketh him who is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and seeth not him in all, doth see nothing at all. All creatures as such are broken syllables. They signify nothing as separated from God or as studied. Were they separated actually, they would cease to be, and the separation will be annihilation. And when we separate them in our fancies, we make nothing of them to ourselves. It is one thing to know the creatures as Aristotle and another thing to know them as a Christian. None but a Christian can read one line of his physics so as to understand it rightly. It is a high and excellent study and of greater use than many apprehend. But it is the smallest part of it that Aristotle can teach us. When man was made perfect and placed in the perfect world, where all things were in perfect order, the whole creation was a man's book in which he was to read the nature and will of his great creator. Every creature had the name of God so legibly engraved on it that man might run and read it. He could not open his eyes without seeing some image of God, but nowhere could he see that image so fully, as lively as in himself. Therefore, it was his work to study the whole volume of nature, but first and foremost to study himself. And if man had stayed on this course, that's this study, this education, he would have continued and increased in the knowledge of God and of himself. But when he would only know and love the creature and himself in a way that is separated from God, he lost the knowledge of both the creature and the creator, in so far as it could exalt and be worthy of the name knowledge. And instead of this, he has obtained the unhappy knowledge which he influenced including the empty notions and illusionary knowledge of the creature and of himself as separated from God. And thus, the one who lived for the creator and depended on him lives for and depends on the other creatures and upon himself. And thus, every man at his best estate, the learned as well as the illiterate, is altogether vanity. Surely every man walks in a vain show. Surely they are making an uproar in vain. Going down, he says, and therefore, I will presume to tell you, by the way, that it is a grand error and of dangerous consequence in Christian academies that they study the creature before the Redeemer and they set themselves to physics and metaphysics and mathematics before they set themselves to theology. On the contrary, no man lacking the vitals of theology is capable of being more than a fool in philosophy. Theology being referred to here is not the academic uh, theoretical study of the Word of God that has to do with reading other people's theological laws and so many books written by men, but rather 
this is referring to an actual study of the word of god not the giving out of certificates and degrees this is a book that is written in the 1700s so this is not referring to what we know today as theology theology must lay the foundation and lead the way in all our studies if god is to be searched after in our search of the creature and we must not separate the knowledge of the two then tutors must read god to their pupils in all of it divinity must be the beginning the middle the end the life and the all of their studies our physics and metaphysics must be reduced to theology and nature must be re- must be read as one of god's books which is purposely written to reveal himself the holy scripture is the easier book when you have first learned of god from it and of his will as the most necessary things then you may address yourselves to the study of his works and read every creature as a christian end of quote this proposes a kind of education where we first of all study the holy scriptures and also study everything in nature in connection with god and not separated from god moses had this kind of education during that 40 years in the with the mean in the land of the midianites moses as he was a shepherd began to see the invisible he could see god in everything in nature he could understand that when he see the st- he sees the stars when he sees the sun when he sees the moon he understands that there is a hand of the creator in these things you see how jesus used to use the parables to teach when he talked about the sower went forth to sow and then uh, he talked about the one that fell on the good ground and one fell among thorns and another one fell um, on the roadside and the birds ate them and another one fell on rocky ground all those things are ways to have the object lessons we see between ourselves and god he could see it in himself within his relation with his wife and his children he understood just like enoch did he understood the same thing his relation with god all around us are things we look at and we can see and know something of god but the bible is not joking when it says in whole romans 1 verse 24 the invisible things of god are clearly seen it's not hard to see it check your relationship with your child and your child your relationship with you you would see something about the lord check your relation with others check the rocks check the grass check the thorns check the fruits check the trees check the birds of the air and also in the land the sea and all the land animals you would see something of god it is clearly seen you'll be able to see the invisible in these things and if you find it so hard oh the lord jesus has made it easier he used these object lessons to teach us things he used them to teach us things when he gave his parables and it's not something difficult anymore to see the invisible moses had learned to see the invisible through his right education and when god called upon him to work and throughout his ministry he kept on seeing the invisible he believed god god was a present help to him he did not need to see god physically he believed in him he believed he existed he obeyed god by faith and that's why we saw in the devotion that moses had respect unto the recompense of the reward here is another point in regards to faith which we should study which we wish to study god will reward the man of faith and obedience if this faith is brought into the life experience it will enable everyone who fears and loves god to endure trials 
Moses was full of confidence. Do you know that? Full, full. He was not shaking. He was not doubting. He was full of confidence in God. Because he had appropriating faith, he needed help and he prayed for it, grasped it by faith and wove it into his experience, the belief that God cared for him. Why did he believe it? Because he had heard it. He knew it and he acted on it. We have a lot of promises Moses did not have. Since the days of Moses, many more prophets have arisen and they have penned down for us many promises of God, things that the Lord said he would do for us. Ezekiel said that the Lord will take our, our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh and he will put out his spirit within us and cause us to walk in his statutes. Isaiah said that the Lord will wash away our sins and though they be red as crimson, they shall be as wool and if they are, uh, uh, and they will be as white as snow. Jeremiah still points us to the same Redeemer, telling us of the work that he wants to do in our lives. In the book of Jeremiah 31, there he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. I will make a covenant with my people, and I will write the law in their hearts. These are promises from the Lord. Now, do you believe it? Do you see him who is invisible? Are you enduring? When you are passing through your trials, just like Moses, when you are misunderstood, we need to have an education that will help us to see the invisible. We need to see the invisible in the things of nature. We need to see the invisible through the Holy Scriptures. And this is the way our faith will be strong like that of Moses. And when faced with trouble like him, when faced with trials, we will endure. When faced with the attack from people and misunderstanding, we will not want to retaliate like Moses did. Seeing the invisible is a very, very important thing and God knows it. And that's why he said the things of the invisible are clearly seen. It's just left for us to acknowledge it. The problem with the world is that they are not acknowledging it. Let us not give credit to men or oh, that this man, this man did this and this man did that. Let us give credit to God. Acknowledge God in the air you breathe, in the water you drink, in the rocks and in the mountains. Acknowledge God in nature in general. Acknowledge God in your own intelligence that it is God who gave it to you. Don't think that it was all your study here and there that gave you intelligence. Even the men of the world that exhibit some form of intelligence, do you not understand that it is still a revelation of God's wisdom in them? That every witty saying and every wise saying that they have and they pen down, it is still a revelation of God. It's not their schools that taught it to them. We must acknowledge God in every good thing we see around us. And in acknowledging Him, we are seeing the invisible and then exercise faith in His word. Confidence is something we must have. The opposite of confidence is doubting. It is cowardice. And we are not to be afraid. Fear is the opposite of confidence. We should be brave in the Lord, confident in the Lord. Why? Because we believe that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Therefore, diligently seek the Lord. Follow every requirement. That was one thing that we should not forget. Two days ago in our devotion, we read concerning Moses. He says in Conflict and Courage, page 83, paragraph 3, first of all, it was not the teachings of the schools of Egypt that enabled Moses to triumph over all his enemies, 
but an ever-abiding faith, an unflinching faith, a faith that did not fail under the most trying circumstances. Moses acted as seeing the invisible. And going down to paragraph 5, it says, Many who are seeking efficiency for the exalted work of God by perfecting their education in the schools of men will find that they have failed of learning the more important lessons which the Lord will teach them. Why? By neglecting to submit themselves to the impressions of the Holy Spirit. That's one. Secondly, and I want us to take note of the second one. Because here is where I think our problem is. The second one now. By not living in obedience to all the requirements of God, their spiritual efficiency has become weakened. Do you know that your spiritual efficiency is becoming weakened by explaining away every scripture? Go and check the life of Moses, how diligently he kept the word of God. This thing here that says, by neglecting to submit themselves to the impression of the Holy Spirit and not living in obedience to all God's requirements, is simply saying, by not diligently seeking the Lord. Because diligently seeking the Lord in believing that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, is by following his word to the letter. Moses will follow the word of God to the letter. Go and look at every requirement that was given them on how to uh, build the ark of God and also that mobile uh, temple that they built and every ordinance that they were supposed to keep. Do you think Moses will look at any of those things and say they are not relevant, let's not keep it to the letter? That's not Moses. Moses had this confidence, unflinching faith in God that will make him render obedience to the letter. Did God say sprinkle the blood on the ark seven times? He would do it seven times. I remember the time when Aaron's son, sons, Nadab and Abihu were slain and then God told them to eat of the flesh of the animal that they had slain and it wasn't supposed to stay till the next morning and Aaron left it the next morning Moses came and reproved him and said why did you leave this the next morning didn't the Lord say we must eat everything the previous day Moses Aaron explained and said I was mourning and then he couldn't finish it or something but the lesson I learned from there is this man was a man who will follow God to the letter every requirement the education of the world today makes us place ourselves above God we start to read the word of God and feel oh this part is relevant this part is not relevant but it becomes foolishness to us we start to say, oh, this thing is for that time, it's not for our time. That practice is not for our time, it is for those days we are living in the 21st century. You know, the pride that comes with our education because of our advancement in technology, we now think that the requirements of God is not for us. We start to explain away so many scriptures and then some people will start to talk of, oh, we are living in the New Testament era. I feel... I believed for a long time that this our present age we are so full of ourselves we are so proud we are so wretched miserable poor blind naked not knowing it and that's why we do what we do picking up one scripture and saying it is not for us whereas that same scripture people followed it for thousands of years what is the difference between our time and that of perhaps somebody like Ellen White just a hundred and something years but the difference between the time of Paul and Sarai was over a thousand years yet Paul would will use them as an example Peter will use people of over a thousand years as an example but when we want to use people of just a hundred years ago as an example people will say that's not our time that's not our time it's our time is different why because it's hundred years ago then why are we even following the Bible in the first place I mean it's over two thousand years 3,000 years, some things were written there 4,000 years ago like the books of Moses. So why follow it in the first place? Let us humble ourselves. Let us not think that because of our so-called civilization and advancement, then we will fail to render complete obedience to all the requirements of God. But in doing that, guess what happens to us? We lose our spiritual efficiency. I'll take that again. 
by neglecting to submit themselves to the impressions of the Holy Spirit, by not living in obedience to all God's requirements, their spiritual efficiency has become weakened. By absenting themselves from the school of Christ, they have forgotten the sound of the voice of the teacher and he cannot direct their course. Men may acquire all the knowledge possible to be imparted by the human teacher, but there is still greater wisdom required of them by God. Like Moses, they must learn meekness, loneliness of heart, and distrust self. Distrust self. Don't think that your PhD and your MSc and your BSc, no matter how numerous they are, and no matter how people call you prof, 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 leave those things. Whether you are a professor in theology, it still doesn't matter. Come to the school of Christ and follow all his requirements. Like Moses, we must be meek. We must learn meekness. Our Savior himself, bearing the test of humanity, acknowledged that of himself he could do nothing. And this we should also do. I'm reading from Conflict and Courage, page 83, paragraph 5. And there's so much that can be said about this. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts to help us to understand what it means to see him who is the invisible. And I, I wish I can make it clearer than what I am saying. But words are really failing me to make it clearer. To see the invisible to me means to believe that God is and to obey him to the letter, believing that he is watching everything that you are doing and that he knows your troubles and he will meet you at the point of need. In Conflict and Courage, page 85, paragraph 4, he says, Moses did not merely think of God, he saw him. God was the constant vision before him. He never lost sight of his face. He saw Jesus as his Savior, and he believed that the Savior's merits would be imputed to him. This faith was to Moses no guesswork, it was a reality. This is the kind of faith we need, faith that will endure the test. Oh, how often we yield to temptation because we do not keep our eye on Jesus. End of quote. And I pray that we all would get to understand what it means to believe so confidently in the Lord, so unflinchingly that we never doubt. And that when we are doing service for him, we know that he's going to reward us for it. That when we are obeying him, we receive divine strength from him in prayer like Moses did. Lord, give me the grace to do your will. And then you go forth exercising faith to do what the Lord has asked you to do. And when you see every kind of obstacle around you that looks as if what you want to do into the will of God is, is as if it's going to be impossible, you are not still shaking. You are still confident. You are still unflinching. You see the Red Sea before you. You see the children of Egypt coming behind you. And yet you are not shaking. You walk in the wilderness and there's no food. And you are not still shaking. You are still confident. There's no water and you are still confident. The sun is scorching and there's a battle to fight. Though you don't have any training, the children of Egypt, of Israel didn't have a training to fight, but they were supposed to fight. Even though as the Lord has said I should go on and do that, I will not shake. That's the faith we're talking about because the Lord has said it. Moses' faith was in God's word. And as far as he knew that this thing I am doing is what God said I should do. I have read it. I have heard it. This is what God said I should do. There's no shaking anymore. I will go in faith, trusting that he who has told me to do this will also give me the strength to perform it. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, please help us to see you who is the invisible we know that it is not your fault. Your word has said to us in Romans 1.20 that the invisible things of you are clearly seen and we are without excuse. If we are not seen it, it's our fault. 
please lord open our eyes that we may see these invisible things of you help us lord that we may in our own experiences in our own person our own person and in our relation with others and the things of nature the things of life and in your word especially that we shall see you O lord that you shall be a present help to us we are blinded many of us are not seeing even myself who i'm speaking i'm not seeing the invisible as moses did we all need your help therefore lord i pray please help us to see you help us to understand you help us lord to walk in faith and have that unflinching faith confidence in you that we may render obedience to you fulfilling all your requirements diligently seeking you that we may also get the reward of being with you do all this O lord and take the glory i pray in jesus name amen